The scripture comes today from Sirach 15, which is an apocryphal book, and this is what it says. Whoever fears the Lord will do this, and whoever holds to the law will obtain wisdom. She will come to meet him like a mother, and like a young bride she will welcome him. She will feed him with the bread of understanding and give him the water of wisdom to drink. He will lean on her and not fall, and he will rely on her and not be put to shame. She will exalt him above his neighbors and will open his mouth in the midst of the assembly. Gladness and a crown of rejoicing and an everlasting name he will inherit. The foolish will not obtain her and sinners will not see her. She is far from arrogance and liars will never think of her. Praise is unseemly on the lips of a sinner, for it has not been sent from the Lord. For in wisdom must praise be uttered, and the Lord will make it prosper. Do not say, it was the Lord's doing that I fell away, for he does not do what he hates. Do not say, it was he who led me astray, for he has no need of the sinful. The Lord hates all abominations. Such things are not loved by those who fear him. It was he who created humans in the beginning, and he left them in the power of their own inclinations. If you choose, you can keep the commandments, and to act faithfully is a matter of your choice. He has placed before you fire and water. Stretch out your hand for whichever you choose. Before each person are life and death, and whichever one chooses will be given. For great is the wisdom of the Lord. He is mighty in power and sees everything. His eyes are on those who fear him, and he knows every human action. He has not commanded anyone to be ungodly, and he has not given anyone permission to sin. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, Amago. It's good to see you this morning. How many of you are ready for the Super Bowl? I don't even know what that is. Good for you. That's great. That, right. Is that today? That's awesome. Some of you are really excited. That's good. So a few weeks ago, I, um, I think this was around the first or second week of January. I've shared this story with a couple of you, so this is not going to be news to you, but... Um, my husband had gone to New York with his son uh, to spend some time with him. He lives in Brooklyn and uh, teaches out of college there. And so Terry had the opportunity to kind of watch his son in action, like lead a teaching conference. And so he was going to be gone for the whole week. So before he left, I said, oh, good, I can drive your sports car this week. <laughs> now, not too long after we started dating, I was driving it and he was with me. And the entire time he was like, ooh, 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 <laughs> gripping it. And I was like, I will never drive this car again. But I thought, without him in there with me, that might be a little bit more fun. So when I say, I'm going to drive your sports car while you're gone, he says, oh, no, no. And I said, what are you going to do about it? You're in New York, and I have the key. <laughs> anyway, on Tuesday of that week, it's just water. On Tuesday of that week, I was coming into town and I decided to drive the sports car. So I drove it over here, had the best time on that four lane, it was just mag magnificent. Um, I get ready to go back home, I've got to pick up a daughter and my grandson around 3 o'clock and so I need to get on back home, but I needed to pick up an order from Coles in East Peoria before I ran home. So I run in, I get my order, I come back out and the key fob doesn't work. I can't unlock the car. And I'm like, oh, now what? And of course, you know what you do, right? You keep mashing, you keep pressing that button, 
and it's not working. My first instinct was to call my husband. But then the second instinct was, but I don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> and I'll explain that in just a minute, okay? He's really not that bad of a human being, but that was uh, my second instinct was, I don't want to be in trouble. So my third instinct was, well, I have to call a locksmith. So I call a locksmith, and about 25 minutes later, this guy pulls up in the Coles parking lot, and he, um, he's standing at the trunk of the car, and he literally Googles how to get into the car. He Googles it. I'm not lying. He had no idea. He Googled it. And I'm standing there like, oh my gosh, how dumb, how dumb. He gets in the car, that'll be $60, so he charges me $60 to Google, <laughs> and then the locksmith company charged me another $50 for their technician to come out and Google. Didn't feel very smart that day. <laughs> Didn't feel very wise. Then I get in the car, and there's like this light on the dashboard that says, theft attempted, and it's like flashing. Theft attempted, theft attempted. And I'm like, this is going to be not good. <laughs> so anyway, I um, eventually had to tell my husband what was happening because first of all, I had to explain why the theft attempted light was flashing at him when he got home. And I knew he would see the credit card bill anyway, so I had to fess up. That's just a story of being reactive, right? You're in a panic. I need to get back home. I have kids to pick up. I got to get this done right now. It's reactive. Right in the moment, I got to get this done. And my first instinct was to call my husband. The second instinct I told you was, oh, but I'll get in trouble. That instinct of, oh, but I'll get in trouble comes from old baggage. Do you understand what I'm saying? That comes from old baggage. I was not going to get in trouble. He thought it was hilarious. I don't know how, how hilarious he thought it was after I told him it was $110. But he did laugh. And I was sharing this with him last night. I said, I think I'm going to share that story. And he said, please don't make me sound bad. You did not get in trouble. I you would not be in trouble with me. So I, I want to make that very clear. I did not get in trouble. It was baggage. And I responded in an old way rather than thinking it through, rather than taking a beat Okay, take a breath. What do I do next? I think wisdom can be like that, right? Like, we just react. And then we look back on it later and we're like, oh my heavens, that was the wrong way to hack that. It was wrong. I mouthed off. I, whatever I did, I sent that email. I sent that text. I sent those words. They didn't think it through. That's not being wise. The book of Sirach is a book of wisdom sayings. It's also known as Ecclesiastes. It's written by, it was written by a Jewish man named Ben Sirach on advice from his grandfather. It was written sometime between 200 and 175 BCE, and it is the largest wisdom book to have survived from antiquity. The majority of the copies, copies of this book were found in the Dead Sea Scrolls and in other places in Israel. Those copies match the copies that we currently have. But for whatever reason, it didn't make it into the canon. 
I did read that Jewish people in certain rabbinic traditions, they still use this particular book because it's just a, it's like a Proverbs. It's like a, an Ecclesiastes. It's another way of doing that. It's, and it's phrased a little bit different. So let's talk about wisdom a little bit. And let me just say this is going to be interactive today because I have just demonstrated to you that I, I, sometimes I'm not the wisest person on the planet. So I'm going to count on you to help us this morning. So when we say the word wisdom as a noun, it is the quality of having experience, knowledge, and good judgment. <laughs> the quality of being wise. The soundness of an action or a decision with regard to the application of experience, knowledge, and good judgment. And the body of knowledge and principles that develops within a specific society or period, like the Jewish people rely on, in antiquity, relied on Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, their, uh, their set of wisdom sayings. The Webster's Dictionary describe, des defines wisdom as, and I love this, not just knowledge, but the capacity to make due use of it. The fact that Solomon asked for not just knowledge, but for insight on how to apply the knowledge, he was granted the things that he asked for. Psychologists tend to agree that wisdom involves an integration of knowledge, experience, and deep understanding, as well as a tolerance for the uncertainties of life. There's an awareness of how things play out over time, and it confers a sense of balance. It is perspective-taking. It is open-mindedness, and it is intellectual humility. So I'm going to ask you to think of someone in your life that you consider wise, whether they are still here on this earth or maybe they've passed on. Someone that you consider wise or you have considered wise. And when I ask you that, I want you to think in your head, does this person also possess open-mindedness and intellectual humility? And now the floor is yours. Ken says his grandfather was uh, wisdom. I, when I was younger and I started having kids in my 20s, I made a commitment within myself that I would not, listening, I would not listen to parenting advice from anyone who had kids my age or younger than that age. I listened to people who had gone past that stage. Does that make sense? And that way when somebody comes up to me with some un unsolicited advice, and I had a lot of that, I could just smile and thank you. I'm not going to do that, but thank you. Next question I want to ask you. What is something that you are knowledgeable about that would surprise us? Let's learn a little bit about you this morning. I'll, I'll go first. I know how to manage a restaurant. You know that I don't cook, right? <laughs> but I know how to manage a restaurant. I know what food needs to be stored out. I know how you keep things, what needs to be separate and where it needs to go. And I, and I know that, you know, when you're winding down, who to send home because they're on the clock and I'm paying them hourly. All of these pieces I can do. I don't ever want to do it again. 
but I do know how to manage a restaurant. I am a board certified, not board certified, I'm a food safe manager, certified, whatever that's called. Serve safe, thank you. Yeah. Yes, don't want to do it again. Don't want to do it again, but I will if I have to. Anyone else? What would surprise you? What would surprise us? Something you know. Well, there's a thread on Facebook on our We Are Mago page. If you think it's something that you want us to know about, share it on there this afternoon if you don't want to say it this morning. So in James, we read about what wise people look like. It says, if you consider yourself to be wise and one who understands the ways of God, advertise it with a beautiful, fruitful life guided by wisdom's gentleness. Never brag or boast about what you've done, and you'll prove that you're truly wise. But if there is bitter jealousy or competition hiding in your heart, then don't deny it and try to compensate for it by boasting and being phony. For that has nothing to do with God's heavenly wisdom, but can best be described as the wisdom of this world, both selfish and devilish. So wherever jealousy and selfishness are uncovered, you will also find many troubles and every kind of meanness. But the wisdom from above is always pure, filled with peace, considerate, and teachable. Teachable. Y'all, that's so big, to be teachable. I don't know everything. I just don't, and neither do you. We have to be teachable. Do you want to be counted wise, to build a reputation for wisdom? Here's what you do. Live well, live wisely, live humbly. It's the way you live, not the way you talk, that counts. Mean-spirited ambition isn't wisdom. Boasting that you are wise isn't wisdom. Twisting the truth to make yourself sound wise isn't wisdom. It's the furthest thing from it. Here's what I know about wise people. Wise people are gentle. They're not competing against you for anything. They're not combative. They're not looking for a fight. They don't boast and they are authentic. Wise people are unselfish and they are not mean. I mean, you know that I love a good comeback. I master at a good quip. But wise people are not mean. I've shared this with you before. I think sometimes the Holy Spirit just goes, shut up, shut up. You don't need to say it, sweet pea. I know it's smart, and I'm so proud of you, Melinda, but don't say it. It's mean. It's mean. Wise people admit when they don't know. They are teachable. Wise people are not prejudiced, but when prejudice rises up within them, they recognize it and they go to work on rooting it out. Wise people are humble. They don't boast about how smart they are. Wise people are reasonable, and they strive to get along with others. They are merciful. Wise people are not gaslighters or manipulators. They don't use people for their own advantage without considering what is best for the other person. Wise people treat everyone with dignity and honor. They are reflective. They know how to be still and know. One of my very favorite scriptures in all of the Bible is from Isaiah 30, 18 through 21, and it says, 
The Lord is waiting to be merciful to you and will rise up to show you compassion. The Lord is a God of justice. Happy are all who wait for him. This is the way, people in Zion, who live in Jerusalem. You will weep no longer. God will certainly be merciful to you. Hearing the sound of your outcry, God will answer you. And this is the part. Though the Lord gives you the bread of distress and the water of oppression, your teacher will no longer hide. But you will see your teacher. If you stray to the right or the left, you will hear a word that comes from behind you. This is the way. Walk in it. I cannot tell you how many times that scripture was not written for me. It was not written for you. But this is one scripture that I have taken to heart in my life when I have a difficult decision to make and I don't have a clue. I don't have the wisdom, I don't have the experience, I don't have the knowledge, but I have to make a decision. Even moving here, this verse was a part of that process as well. I will literally say, I I need to know the way to walk. God, it's either right or left. I need to know. What's the way I need to walk in? This is the way. Walk ye in it. Glennon Doyle, in her book, Untamed, talks about knowing. I was sharing this with Terry yesterday. She talks about to know. To know that it's the Holy Spirit leading you and guiding you and pushing you toward this way or nudging you this way. We know. We just know. She says, she quotes the the verse, be still and know. She says, I've read this verse many times, but it struck me freshly today. It didn't say, poll your friends and know, or read books by experts and know, or scour the internet and know. Just stop. Be still. Stop moving, stop talking, stop searching, stop panicking, stop flailing. If you just start, stop, do, if you just stop doing, you'll start knowing. There comes a moment, my friends, when we don't have the wisdom in a particular situation. We get counsel from friends. That's perfectly fine. I do it all the time. You should too. From people that you believe are wise. But at the end of the day, we have to make that choice for ourselves. We get to make it by ourselves, for ourselves, on our own. And we need to stop and be still and know this is what we need to do. This is where we need to go. The knowing. You can call it the Holy Spirit. You can call it listening to your own heart. Whatever you need to call it, there's a knowing that says, this is the way. Walk ye in it.